Well, good morning, friends. That was kind of an awkward moment, wasn't it? <laughs> we are in the, the final week of the Transform series, and today we're going to finish off this series with the subject of righteousness. And I really, when I begin digging into this, it's really a two-part message that I'm going to get through in one time. So you're going to get two for one today, okay? I just want you to know that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We've got one verse as our text verse today. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's read that again. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of the toughest, hardest teachings in all the Bible overcoming evil with good because it goes against every natural instinct that we have. Our natural response is when we get hurt, we want to hurt somebody back. When someone wrongs us, we want to harm them back. That's just the, the human nature inside of us. We feel like we want to do something to get even. So as I was studying this week, um, I certainly didn't want to share stories that from personal experience where I had done something to get even with somebody. Of course, you guys know I wouldn't ever do something like that, but other people that do get even, I was reading some of their stories this week. And one of them that was really pretty creative was this guy, and we've all been here, waiting for a parking spot and somebody zips in front of us, or you're standing in line and somebody cuts. Well, this guy was waiting for a parking spot, and this lady just zipped right in front of him, grabbed his parking spot. Now, I'm, I know you're thinking, oh, he probably went up and keyed her car or, you know, knifed her tires and, and flattened them or parked behind her where she couldn't get out. No, he was pretty creative. He just simply went out, took off his own locking gas cap off his vehicle, went over and exchanged the gas cap from her vehicle, put it on, but he kept the key in his pocket. Not bad, huh? Another guy got mad at one of his coworkers, and so he posted a Craigslist ad of two free goats, and he listed this guy's work number. So he spent the rest of the afternoon answering calls about these two free goats that he was giving away. One guy got divorced and his wife got to keep the house and she moved her new boyfriend in, but she forgot to change the Wi-Fi password. And their thermostat was all Wi-Fi controlled and so he began having lots of fun. You know, in the middle of the night he would turn the heat way up or he'd freeze her out. She'd be gone, he'd turn the air conditioner on full blast so that the bill would run up. Or if they were gone for a few days, he'd run the air conditioner nonstop, you know? That's just the human nature in us. When we are hurt, when we're wronged, we want to get even. But the scripture today says to overcome evil with good. Now, too many people get what I call a Star Wars theology. We get our, our theology from Star Wars, you know, where the force is in us and through us and it binds us all together. And basically there's a little good in everybody and a little bit of bad in everybody. And it depends on the circumstance which wins out, right? Most movies 
the good guys win at the end, don't they? Not, not all of them, but most movies, the good guys always win at the end. I want to tell you, though, this is real life. This is not the movies. And sometimes the good guys may not win till we get to heaven. Okay? I'm just going to tell you that straight up front. Sometimes evil may prevail right now, but it won't prevail in eternity. This word overcome means to overpower, to be victorious over, to conquer. So we're instructed not to let evil overpower or to conquer us, but yet we are to overpower or conquer evil. Perhaps one of the greatest signs of a transformed life is how we respond to evil. How do you respond when you're mistreated? How do you treat your enemies? Because see, the human nature in us says, I don't want to be nice to somebody who's mean or who's wronged me or said something bad about me or treated me unfairly. I don't want to be nice to them. So how do we overcome evil with good? Maybe even specifically, how do we overcome the evil that happened last week in Florida in the shooting in that school? Well, as Christians, we need to expect it. 1 Peter 4.12 says, don't be surprised by it. Okay, so as Christians, we need to expect evil is going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be saddened by it. But we shouldn't be surprised by the evil that people can come up to in this world because we know that evil is going to find its way out. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, we're told last days will be difficult days, difficult times. It's going to happen. And as the days become later, and we are living in the last times, okay? Whether we're in the final days or not, that's up to the Lord. But the days are going to become more evil. Scripture tells us that. One of my friends, Sam Jeffrey, who is a church security expert, uh, he actually emailed this to me this week because I asked for a little bit of help on, on this passage. And he said, Christians are the last people that should be surprised by evil. We're the only ones that truly understand its nature and source, so we move with confidence rather than fear. Our faith is active as we move towards the battle line. In other words, not running from evil, but facing it. So as Christians, we are probably truly the only people on this planet that truly understand evil. And evil's everywhere. Scripture said that we are living in perilous times. Now, that word perilous means that those are rough times. And evil is found everywhere. And even sometimes evil finds its way inside of a church building. And sometimes evil even finds its way into the hearts of believers. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, out of the heart comes evil thoughts. That's what Jesus told us. He said that sometimes even believers, I know that's hard for us to comprehend, but even sometimes believers, we are inclined to evil thoughts. We have to realize that we're in a spiritual battle. And this isn't a battle that we can win 
by banning guns or having more laws or fighting with physical weapons. You know, let me tell you, if every gun disappeared, evil's still going to be here. You can't beat evil with any kind of a physical weapon. It is a spiritual battle that we are in right now. Jack Hanley in his book called Fuzzy Memories tells the story of this bully that stole his lunch money every single day. Every day he'd come to school, this bully would demand his lunch money. So he finally decided, I've had enough of this and I'm going to fight back. So he said, I'm going to take some karate lessons. Well, he began taking karate lessons. The only problem is this karate instructor charged $5 a lesson, which was way less than his lunch money. So he said, really, it's just cheaper to pay the bully than it is to pay the karate instructor. So he gave up the karate. You know, unfortunately, many Christians have that same attitude about Satan and the spiritual battles that we face. Well, it's just easier to give up, pay the bully, than it is to fight the bully. But what they don't realize is that they are part of a much larger conflict. We are part of a cosmic conflict, okay? Now, I'm going to try to explain this to you. The Bible tells us there are angels and demons. Now, we can't see them always. But they are constantly doing battle in war. All around us, there is this spiritual battle going on that we're involved in. So while you're being tempted or something's going on in your life, you might have an angel doing war with a demon saying, not today. You're not getting him today. And I want you to write this down, okay? If you're taking notes, write this down, and if you're not taking notes, write this down anyway. <laughs> we can only overcome evil by righteousness. Let me repeat that. We can only overcome evil by righteousness. When we are truly transformed, our lives are going to be marked by righteousness. That's one of the qualities that's going to shine in our life is righteousness when we truly are transformed. Well, what is righteousness? How do I possess it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me first tell you what righteousness is not. Righteousness is not being good. Well, I'm a good person. So what? That doesn't make you righteous. There's a lot of good people that do not possess righteousness. Don't be one of them. Righteousness is being morally correct. Righteousness is being morally just. Righteousness is being upright. But most importantly, righteousness is having a holy heart. And a righteous person recognizes right and wrong. A righteous person recognizes good and evil. Let me lay something pretty heavy on you. Righteousness is becoming like God. Okay? Righteousness is becoming like God. And if we are truly transformed, it's going to be evident by the righteousness displayed in our life. 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul gives this instruction to Timothy. He said, flee youthful passions. All the things that you used to do, all the things that used to be so fun, he said... Flee, run from that stuff, and pursue righteousness. 
Something else I want you to write down, okay? For those that are taking notes and those that are not taking notes, write this down too. Genuine faith always results in spiritual fruit. Genuine faith always results in spiritual fruit. That's the true test of righteousness. John chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus said this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Do you get that? That you're going to bear much fruit. A righteous life is a fruit-bearing life. Hebrews 12, 11 said, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness. Did you get that? So how do I possess this righteousness? Where do I go to buy this? Well, I want to tell you something. You can't buy it. You can't find it. You can't click on Amazon and order it. Can't do that. On your own, you cannot be righteous, okay? So get that out of your mind. You cannot be righteous on your own. Paul tells us in Philippians 1.11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in 2 Corinthians 5.21, in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so on your own, you cannot become righteous, but through Jesus Christ, you are made righteous. God has declared through Jesus that you are righteous. Do you get that? On your own, you can't do it, but God has declared through His Son, Jesus, that you are righteous. So our goal here is not to become better people. I mean, there are, there are a lot of good people that just choose not to follow Christ. And you look at them and you think, wow, you'd be a great Christian. Why don't you commit your life to Christ? You're a really good, moral, upright person. But they are not a believer. They're not following Christ. Being good's not going to get you to heaven. Being good's not our goal here. Our goal is to become more Christ-like. And to become more like Jesus. That's our goal. And since Christ is the righteousness of God, the more we become like Jesus, the more righteous we will become. Do you understand this? That's our goal. Not to just be good people, but to become more Christ-like. Well, how do we become more Christ-like? How do we become more like Jesus? Because when that happens, transformation is going to happen. I want to tell you, we have to have a passion for righteousness. Now, a lot of us have passions for maybe our children, our sports, our hobbies. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's for doing something in the community. We have a, a, a passion for but in order to become righteous, we have to have a passion for Jesus, which is a passion for righteousness. So the goal of transformation is to become more Christ-like. And when we become like Jesus, transformation happens. But I want to tell you something, friends. When you decide to take a stand for righteousness and to become more like Christ, you've got to have to ready to be opposed 
to be rejected, to be misunderstood, laughed at, scoffed at, because everything just about that you stand for as a Christian pursuing righteousness and holiness is going to be opposite of what our society or the world is going to tell you their values are. And as a Christian, this is our guidebook. But unfortunately, much of this world has rejected this book. So I want you to, to, to know firsthand, you're going to have to be prepared to maybe stand alone, to be misunderstood. You're going to stand opposite the world on most issues of society if you believe this book. But we have to pursue God and righteousness every single day. That has to be our goal, is to pursue God every single day with every activity, every hobby, every job task, whatever you're involved with, you've got to pursue God. And when we pursue God, we pursue holiness. And through that holiness, through Christ Jesus, we become righteous. Isn't that great how that works out? I want to introduce you to a friend of mine that I had the privilege of, uh, of sharing Christ with and baptizing four years ago. His name's Monty King, and he comes to this service. In fact, Monty's sitting right over here, and some of those that were in the first service maybe have never met Monty, but Monty has an incredible story of transformation, an incredible story of what God did in his life. Listen to Monty's story. I'm Monty King. I've been a member of Oakwood Church since May of 2014. I was baptized on September 21st of 2014. And I divorced, and in my whole life between relationships, I've been in a relationship four years. And the rest of the time I've been by myself, other than my good friends. I mean, bad. Well, I started getting molested as a child when I was seven years old. And uh, is by a, you know, by an adult. And he was my stepfather and he would come home drunk at night. And I was always fearful that he was gonna come get me out of bed. I was put down as a child, even up in my teens by people in our town, the adults. They would drive by and yell out things out the window to me and stuff. And I couldn't understand why they were being so mean to me because I didn't know it really any difference. I just, I never had a place to go. I never felt like I could be myself or do whatever I wanted to do. And I was led into the belief of homosexuality and I said, you look for love, but I was looking for it all in the wrong places. Because I was married for three years, and uh, it was just, it was something I wasn't comfortable with. Because I didn't want to have children, ever. Because I was scared that I would do the same thing to my child that was done to me. I was into drugs, I was into alcohol and homosexuality and every bit of that's gone because I don't need it in my life. I'm finally happy. 
I feel like I've got a place in my life now instead of wondering, because everybody has to have a place. And you just get strung out in a world that has so much animosity and hatred. And the only way to be is to be with Christ because I'm happier now than I've been in 60 years. And it's freeing, it is so freeing. And I feel good because the weight that I was having and experiencing was gone. When you're abused as a child, it's not your fault. You aren't the one that participated in it. You were made to do these things. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. But I think everybody that experiences it needs to come out with it. Let it off their chest, relax, and enjoy the rest of your life. It took me 60 years to find happiness, and I'm there. That's a transformed life. Monty, thank you for sharing your story with us today. And I hope that encourages your heart. Maybe you've been through a similar situation that money has been through. There's transforming power in Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm so glad that, that money is, uh, is my brother in the Lord. Well, I want to bring us back to where we started. How does good overcome evil? And more specifically, this question of how should a... A Christian respond to evil in this world and I want to let you know that for some Christians this is a life-and-death issue there are some Christians in the world that are losing their life because they believe in God they are losing their life to evil simply because of their faith they're martyrs for Jesus Christ well here in America we're more likely to face indifference than we are persecution. We may be inconvenienced, but for the most part, we're not persecuted like many of these believers around the world. But our response should be a Christ-like response. And as we preach through Romans chapter 12, it tells us how to respond in a Christ-like manner. And I'll get to those verses in just a moment. But Satan and evil search for a weak soul in which they can conquer and do their work. And you wonder why most of these people who do these horrible acts of evil, they're all loners. They're all people that are lost souls. Well, Satan and evil are looking for that loner, that lost soul in which they can conquer and get to do their work. That's why it's so important for us to stand strong in our faith. Not to give the devil one little opportunity. Ephesians six eleven says, put on the full armor of God. And if we have a little hole in our armor, guess what? We've left evil and Satan a target, a bullseye. So we have to put on the full armor of God and be totally, completely protected. The weak people of this world need our help. They need us 
to help patch those places in their armor, to show them the righteousness, how they can be protected. And to overcome means that we're going to struggle. And overcoming evil is not going to be an easy task, friends. It's going to be a battle. question I want to ask you is what does it take for us to live that kind of a transformed life, not to react in anger or hatred, but stand resolved in our Christian belief and act as Christ has instructed us to act? That's not an easy thing to answer. That's not something that we can just wave this magic wand and say, well, this is what, how you have to, to respond or what you have to do. That's not an easy answer, but I want to give you three practical ways in which I think that you can respond to evil and overcome evil with good. First is do your best to enhance the name of Jesus by the way you live and the things you say. In other words, by your righteousness. Don't harm the name of Jesus by the things you do or the things you say. And too many people will harm the cause of Christ by their actions, their words. And somebody looks at them like, wow, if that's what a Christian is all about, I don't want to have any part of that. And I know sometimes as Christians, we feel like we are obligated to get into a Facebook war or a Twitter argument back and forth and try to prove our point. I have yet to hear of anybody who's found the Lord and accepted Jesus as their Savior and decided to live a righteous life because of a Facebook war or a post. Just doesn't happen. And sometimes, honestly, we might do more cause or harm to the cause of Christ than we do good. So do your best to enhance the name of Jesus by the way you live, the things you say, by your righteousness. Secondly is don't take revenge on those who hurt us. This is a tough one because we want to strike back, don't we? We want to hurt those who hurt us. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Wow. Verse 17 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And then in verse 19, the Lord says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So, let me tell you something. It's not your job to get even, to repay evil. That's not your job. I'm taking it away from you. God says, it's mine. Now, I don't know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. God, you don't know what I want to have done to that person, right? Let me share with you, God has got way better ways of getting even and straightening out that problem than you do. He's got all the resources of heaven and earth available to Him, and He can do it far better than we can. So let me just take that from you, and we're going to give it back to God because that's where it belongs. Third thing is take the initiative to love and to, to do good to those who hate us. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That would include praying for that person that you consider an enemy. 
praying for that person who's wronged you, who's harmed you. Wow, think about that. Somebody shouting in your face, shouting down your faith, being ostracized by your friends for living out your belief, someone acting out murderous violence because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Whether it's against just you or your faith, but our response is way different than the world's response. Verse 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, Ed Lesky, one of our elders, shared with me these thoughts, and uh, so I'm giving him credit for, for this. But Ed said, for a long time, I thought by doing this, I was repaying evil with good that my treatment of my enemy would make him burn with guilt. You know, your enemy did something, you just do something to make him feel guilty. You treat him nice. He said, man, was I wrong. In the ancient times, it was commonplace for warring fractions to show enemies hospitality, to still be civil to them, in other words. One of those ways was that if your enemy came to your camp at night and asked for coals for his fire, you would give him coals from your fire. He would put those coals in his shield and carrying them on his head so that's what the scripture said. You will heap burning coals on his head. That's the spirit of a hospital culture. There's nothing more difficult than loving your enemies. Do you understand that? Two guys at war, one's got a nice warm fire. This guy's kind of cold and freezing. And so he actually carries his shield over. said, you know, I know we're not really friends, but could I have some of your coals? I know what I would probably do. I'd like, okay, here, yeah, you can have one coal here. Good luck. Maybe you can go build your fire, right? Because we're not friends, and I really don't care if you freeze to death or if you're cold. So I'm going to give you one coal. Scripture says, no. You heap coals. You make sure that when he gets back to his camp, that he has enough coals that he can start his own fire. But wait a minute, we're enemies. Would he do that for me? Probably not. Lastly, my advice to you is when faced with overcoming evil, that we have got to keep an eternal perspective. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus because this is not our home. We're only temporary citizens here. So whatever happens here on this earth, and evil may overcome us. But it's not going to overcome eternity. I can promise you that. We've got to keep an eternal perspective. And Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he said, take heart because I have overcome the world. That's how we overcome evil is through Jesus Christ. And the greatest hope that I can give you today is found in Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. Did you get that? Because they overcame the evil one through Jesus, they didn't love life more than they loved eternity. They didn't love this life in this earth more than they loved Jesus. 
That's my hope and prayer for you today. Is that you don't love life more than you love Jesus. That you don't love this earth more than you love looking forward to heaven. Evil's everywhere. We live in an evil world. It's a treacherous world that we live in. And I worry about my children and grandchildren and the children and the teens and the youth of this church. I worry about them and what kind of a world they're going to grow up in because these are perilous days. But I want you to be encouraged by this. Take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Amen? Pray with me. Father, thank you for being an overcomer. And Father, we can overcome through you. Lord Jesus, we are so blessed because we know you have fought the battle and you have overcome the evil one. And in this world, we're going to have to continue to, to struggle. But Lord, we are conquerors because of you. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that is struggling with maybe sin in their life. Maybe there's someone that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior that is fighting powerless today just on their own. Lord, they need your righteousness and holiness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.